What we've been doing uh, since January is we've been going through the book of Luke. We've been taking it verse by verse. Um, you can tell that we're not rocketing through it because we're just on like chapter 5. We've been doing it since January. Um, it's called expository teaching. And we go through and, and we look at it and we get the story of what's going on. Well, Jesus, this is the story of Jesus and how he began his ministry. We find ourselves in Luke chapter 5 verse 27 is where we're going to start talking today. Um, some of us, I, I really believe this, some of us as we look at the story that scripture tells us today, we're going to breathe a lot easier. Uh, I, I really believe that. It's, it's going to relieve a lot of pressure that some of us have been carrying around, maybe since we've been growing up in church or, or whatever. As we look at this scripture, I believe that when I look at this, I get to see a fun side of Jesus. Like the person of Jesus and who he is and how he was walking the earth and how he interacted with people. Did you like that, that little uh, barbecue video that, that we were showing? It's awesome. It's like if we could all be neighbors like that except know our neighbors' names, you know. I mean, if, if we could all be neighbors and we could, and we could loosen up a little bit, like, loosen up a little bit. Being a Christian is, is a fun thing. And I think as we look at the, the passage today, some of us, I mean, we're going to be like, all right, very good. We're going we're gonna to dress a little more casual. We're going to smile a whole lot more. And we're going to be able to do it because we see Jesus in this passage. He was a very real man, and he gives us permission to smile a little bit. So, everyone, take your hands, shake them a little bit. Relax. It's all good. If you've got to get up and walk around, get up and walk around. But welcome to Church Project. Um, I'm going to jump in. Luke chapter 5. Here's verse 27. Sometime later, Jesus walked along the streets and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in his tax office. And Jesus says to him, follow me. Pretty easy. He's looking at this guy, a tax collector, who's probably pretty wealthy. And he sees him in his office. And Jesus looks at him and he says, follow me. If you've read Scripture, if you've studied Scripture, if you've heard it a lot, um, you will notice, and you may have noticed, that multiple places in Scripture, Jesus is looking at people and He's calling them. He's pursuing them. And, and here we see Levi is sitting in his office doing his tax collector thing, and Jesus comes, and what does He do? He pursues him. He calls him to greatness. But the truth is this. Jesus is still pursuing you and I today. We may be sitting in our, our tax office. We may be somewhere. Who knows where we go throughout our day in and day out. But Jesus is still pursuing each and every one of us. And as we look at the scripture, there, this, is, this is exciting to me. This is why we really need a Bible, okay? Open up Psalms, verse one, uh, chapters 136. Psalms 136. Psalms 136. You're going to need it in front of you. Well, not really, but, but you kind of need it in front of you. We're going to do a little scripture reading today. We don't really do scripture readings, but I promise you, you have half of this chapter memorized, okay? And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to do a little response. Like, I'll say the first half, and you say the second half. And as we're going through this, this is what I want you to keep in mind. See how much Jesus pursues people. See how much Jesus loves people. So Psalms 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. This is your part. His love endures forever. Yeah, give thanks. 
thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love forever. To him who alone does great wonders. His love forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens. His love Who spreads out the earth upon the waters. His love Who made the great light. His love the sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. Are you getting numb? Don't get numb to it. Because it's easy to get numb to this. His love endures forever. Don't get numb to it. I mean, we can keep going. We won't go all the way through the rest of these. We can keep going through this. But this is a truth that sometimes as Christians, when we grow up in church especially, or we come multiple times, we get in this pattern of, His love endures forever. Like Even that song, His love endures forever. Raise your hand if you know that song. Okay? How many times have you sung? Even the songs we sang this morning, when we read the scripture, oftentimes we can get into the the rhythm of reciting and repeating, but we don't mean it anymore. We just get in this, His love endures forever, His love endures forever. But do we really, really mean it? One of the things that jumps out at me when Jesus looks at Levi in verse 27, Levi's sitting there, he's probably got great money, he's okay. He's a tax collector. That's a good profession to be in. Like people would aspire to be him. And Jesus walks by, looks at him, and calls him out and pursues him. Beautiful. Jesus is pursuing each and every one of us today. And his love endures forever. His love will never leave you. Let's go to verse 28. Uh, this, is, this is really kind of neat. So Jesus says, follow me, verse 28. And Levi did. <laughs> and Levi did. He got up from the desk, left everything, just like the fishermen had done you know, a, couple, a chapter ago, and followed Jesus. Verse 29, Shortly after this, Levi invited his many friends and associates, including many tax collectors, to his home for a large feast in Jesus' honor. Everyone sat at a table together. Okay, what just happened? Levi is sitting at work. When Jesus comes and says, follow me. And Levi did. Levi was given purpose to his life. And the purpose was so real and so personal to him, personal to him, that he couldn't help but go to all the other tax collector friends that he had, all the friends that he had, anyone he could find. And what did he do? He threw a big feast in Jesus' name and everyone sat at a table and ate together. Can you, can you picture this? Can you picture yourself as Levi? It, it may be hard unless you really hate your job. <laughs> Maybe if you really hate your job, you can picture this. You're sitting there, you're doing your job day in and day out the way that you're supposed to and all of a sudden Jesus comes and says, follow me, I've got a greater purpose for you. And you're like, alright! And now you find yourself a year later, two years later, fully alive because you're doing what God has designed you to do and created you to do and you have motive and you have energy and so because of this, because Jesus gave you purpose, because He gave you life, sorry, excuse me, what do you do? You throw a big, a big party, a big feast. And so this is exactly what the tax collector did. The rich tax collector was given purpose, and he went out and he shared it. He encounters the love of the king, and what does he do? He throws a feast. 
I'm Aaron Havens. Kind of like a broken record. Kind of. Like I'm, I'm stuck on repeat. And every message is almost a repeat message. And every converse, conversation I have is almost a repeat conversation. Because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is always the answer. I believe that Jesus is the answer to anything and everything that this world throws our way. The good, the bad, the ugly, at the bottom of that, Jesus is the answer. And I fully believe that. He has come to, we use a big fancy word in church called redeem. Jesus has come to redeem every relationship we have. And that big fancy word means to buy back, to purchase back, to make beautiful So the things in our life that are suddenly we find ugly, our relationship to whatever it may be, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, Jesus came back to buy that back and to make it beautiful, okay? Are you with me? Let me me give you a couple examples, okay? Jesus came back to, to redeem and buy back marriages. Marriages that are falling apart. Maybe you know them. Maybe, maybe they're yours. Maybe they're your neighbors. Maybe they're around you. But Jesus came to this earth to love us to the, such a degree that our marriages are even better. Do you believe that Jesus can make marriages better? Absolutely. What about our sexual identity? I mean, we see that a lot. Jesus came back to buy that back. What about um, addictions? Whatever they may be. Chemical addictions, porn addictions, spending money addictions, whatever those addictions may be. Do you think Jesus came to buy those back and to make those beautiful? Yes, he did. He came back to buy back your rage when your anger, when your anger is just and you're raging. Jesus came back to buy that back. He came back to buy back your insecurity. Do any of you have insecurity? Don't raise your hands because it will make you insecure. Okay, does anybody have insecurity? Jesus came back to buy that back and say, you're mine. You're my child. I love you. I have came back to redeem you, to show you love. He came back to buy back the emptiness, the brokenness, the depressed. Can we keep going on our list? We could go all day, couldn't we? The idea is this. Jesus came back to redeem every relationship that we have. Even down to our cup of coffee. So I look at this. And I look at Levi. And it's hard to kind of put ourselves in his situation. Because he was just working. You know? And Jesus came and said, follow me. And he did. But obviously it was way more than just following Jesus. Because he threw a feast. Because Jesus had given him so much purpose. I look at... Like this little video we watched on, on neighborhood barbecuing. And, and I, I love our vocabulary we're starting to use at Church Project about loving our neighbors. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because if we believe God radically changes things and people, then we believe that everyone in Greeley needs to be radically changed by the love of Jesus Christ. And it may happen by simply cooking up a hot dog and getting to know our neighbors. You know that? What, what, what uh, in Luke chapter 10, we'll get there in about two years, but five chapters from now, Luke chapter 10, verse 27, people are asking him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, number one is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second? The second is love your neighbor as yourself. So question, just to think about, do you know your, even know your neighbor's names? Good place to start. And then I'll go ahead and give you an invitation, uh, because this Wednesday... 
that at our house, um, we're having a barbecue for house churches, for anyone that wants to come. I will have a bocce ball because I'm getting pretty good at that. Um, and so you're welcome. Anyone's welcome to come. You're welcome to invite your neighbors and your friends or whatever. And we're going to just start doing a whole lot of these because I believe there's relationships that are happening at barbecues. And I believe God wants to redeem your relationship with your neighbor. You know, the one that you don't like because he steals your internet. Okay? He wants to rebuild your neighborhood. And he wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So Levi encountered the love of God to the point where he threw a big feast, to the point where he was inviting everyone he knew to come meet and sit with Jesus. How beautiful is that? He encountered a true love, didn't he? He had purpose, he had meaning. Thank you, God, for that. Let's go to verse 30. Okay, verse 30. Ooh, this is good. The Pharisees and their associates, the religious scholars got the attention of some of the disciples, of Jesus' disciples. Pharisees, in a low voice, just kind of picture this, said to the disciples of Jesus, Hey, what's wrong with you? Why are you eating and drinking with tax collectors and other immoral people? They're dirty, they're nasty. Why? Why are you here? And Jesus, he answers for the disciples. And he says, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. Verse 32, I haven't come for the pure and upstanding. I've come to call the notorious sinners to rethink their lives and to turn to God. So question, would you label yourself a notorious sinner? Would you label yourself as one that has been attempting to live life on your own? Some of us in this room, maybe we're hearing about the love of Jesus for the first time. Others of us in this room, I mean, we've we've grown up in church. We're like, I'll raise my hand and say, I am a Christian. I have given my life to Jesus Christ. So the question is this, has God bought back your heart? We talked about Jesus wants to redeem every relationship. Has He redeemed the relationship to your heart? He wants you. He wants to love you. Has He redeemed and bought back the relationship to your heart? If so, this is what I encourage us. If you would say, Jesus is is my King. I love Him. I'm following Him. One, share that love with us. Like His body. Like Acts. Like this is us. One of the things I love about Sunday mornings is that we get to come together and we get to fist pump each other and and we get to yell at each other across the room and we're small so we can do whatever we want. Boom! How awesome is that? but, But to come together and to encourage each other. I mean, Jeremiah, you have incredible gifts. Encourage us with those gifts. We all, I mean, we're all created in God's love. And so to come together on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday nights or whatever and just say, man, I'm sorry I had a rough week. Me too, you know? And to really be real, I love doing that. But God also bought back our heart and redeemed our heart. Why? So that we would love our neighbors as ourselves and we would begin to show the love of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone that we met and that we do meet. 
two weeks ago, I went to a party. It was one of Lauren's classmates, and, and we were in Fort Collins, which has got a pretty good downtown. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. And sitting there, and, and we go to this party, and it was a wine and cheese party. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I don't really like wine, but we'll, we'll go for it. And, you know, and, and we go to this party, and, and I've, seen, I've seen this guy. I've met this guy a couple times and as I walk up he's like hey Aaron fist bump it's one of those awkward fist bump hug high five I don't really know what we're doing here you know so you kind of you know whatever and so I, I meet him and right away the very first thing that he says is you're my favorite Christian like I don't really like Christians and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm like oh okay what do you what do you say to that I mean I mean you met the guy like twice he's like you're my favorite Christian I usually don't like Christians and so I'm like well you're my favorite heathen like <laughs> sinner agnostic whatever you are like cool right on you know um, but here's the deal I'm, that's an honor. That's an honor that someone would say, you're my favorite Christian, even though, I, even though I'm like, oh, man, you need to meet a lot more people, you know? But it's an honor to, that he would say something like that to me. Because as I look at Jesus, and especially this passage, as I look at what he's doing, we have real religious people that are looking at him, and they're looking at their disciples saying, wait, are you, are you sitting with dirty sinners and ugly people that, that aren't Christians? Why? Why are you doing that? And Jesus pops on the scene and he's like, it's not the, the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. It's the people whose marriages are falling apart, whose lives are a wreck, the people who are full of pride that are living life on their own. They're the one that needs the love of Jesus Christ. Are we being that love to our neighbors, to each other, to everyone we encounter? Let's go to verse 33. So the Pharisees, they said, Explain to us why you and your disciples are so commonly found partying like this. I love the, the, the voice version. So if you're looking at NIV, it's a little different. Um, but they're saying, why, why are you always found partying like this? When our disciples, and these are the, the Pharisees, the religious people, the professionals, and even the disciples of John are known for fasting rather than feasting and for saying prayers rather than drinking wine. So they're saying, we're more religious than you. Like, we got it together and you guys are messed up. All you're doing is partying and drinking wine. But we pray and we fast. You feast and you party. Why? So we get to verse 34 and Jesus says this. Imagine there's a wedding going on. Is that the time to tell the guests to ignore the bridegroom and fast? Sure, there's a time for fasting when the bridegroom has been taken away. Look, no, nobody tears up a garment to make a patch for an old garment. If he did, the new patch would shrink and rip the old, and the old garment would be worse off than before. And nobody takes fresh, freshly squeezed juice and puts it into old, stiff wineskins. If he did, the fresh wine would make the old skins burst open. And both the wine and the wineskins would be ruined in verse 38. New demands new. New wine for new wineskins. As I was thinking about this, these are a lot of verses. There's a lot of thought here. I, I, I was reminded of a story. 
And Zoe and Audra, my daughters, are going to be sad that I told it today because they've been waiting for this story for a long time. But here's the story. It's Aaron and the Carnival. Aaron was maybe in, in fourth grade. Little town of Ordway, Colorado. I mean, the best thing we had going on was the carnival that came in the middle of the summer because it was, just, it was just awesome, right? Playing in the sprinklers and whatever else. But the carnival came into town. And, and my dad um, met one of the, the main carnival guys. His name was Bear. Okay? And Bear was like, hey, I'm looking for help for my booth. It was one of those booths, and raise your hand if you've ever played it. The one where there's a plate, and you throw the softball, try to break it. Anyone ever play that? Yeah? Anyone ever win on those things? Come on. Why not? So, I, so Aaron Havens, I'm so excited for the carnival to come into town it, because I get to play. And it's like all night, you know, just playing and hanging out and carnivaling. And, but my dad met Bear, and Bear said, I need help during my plate booth or whatever those things are called. And so I am looking to hire someone. Long story short, I start working for Bear. I work for Bear every morning, setting up plates, you know, brushing the plates that are broken, doing whatever, all morning, all afternoon. And, and at night, this was hard because this is when all my friends are hanging out. But I, I'm like responsible, you know, third grader as much as I could be. And I'm working for Bear. And I do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. As long as I can, I'm, I'm making some good bucks. I'm like, this is exciting. He's going to pay me at the end of the week. I'm, I'm counting up. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. It's worth missing my carnival um, because you know, I'm making money. So Friday, it comes along. It's really, really busy. It comes about 9 o'clock at night, and Barry looks at me. He's like, hey, Aaron, what's up, bud? You're working so hard. What I want to do is I want to I give you the rest of the night off so you can go enjoy the last night of the carnival. I'm like, all right, woo! So I get out, and I'm running around, partying, playing, get tired, go home, fall asleep, you know, wake up and run to the park to, to go you know, help Bear pack up and all that, and the carnival was gone. Like, nowhere to be found. Like, totally gone. And I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, maybe they're at the grocery store. And so I ran to the grocery store. Maybe they're at, I ran to a couple spots. You know where this is going. Bear stood up a third grader. Like, I got no money. He let me off so he wouldn't have to pay me. And I remember sitting in the park just like, I was sucker punched. You know, just like, oh, my goodness. And, and you know, it has taken me, Aaron Havens, a long time to like carnivals because I was sucker punched by bear. Right? I can't play those things without getting a little teary-eyed, you know? Poor little Aaron Havens. Here is a, here's a strong truth. As, as silly as that is about me and the, the carnival, here's a very strong truth. And maybe you've seen it on, on even our little business cards that we have or whatever. And it's a stupid saying. It's nothing more than a stupid saying. But there's a lot of truth in this. And in the back of our card says, we want to change the way that people see Christ, Christians, and church. There's a lot of people that, have, that are walking around bitter at bear. But it's not bear they're bitter at. They're not bitter at a carnival. They're bitter at Christ, Christians, and church. They were hurt somewhere along the way. Either by Christians who are saying, why are you hanging out with dirty people? Or why are you smoking and drinking and dancing? Or why are you, you know, on and on we can go. Multiple reasons of why people have been hurt by Christians or even by the church. I, I remember trying to get a friend of mine to go to church in Miami for months and months and months. I was, so, I, I was working on him so long to go to church. 
And we, I finally got him to go into church. We walked into church, and it was a really, really hot day. And so he had a soda in his hand, which, stupid me, I should have realized you're not supposed to bring a soda into church. So we come into church and, and sit down, and uh, a deacon comes up and kicks us out because he has a soda in his hand. And he looked at me and, and said, Aaron, this is why I'll never go to church again. And, and I looked at him and said, understandable. A lot of people have been hurt by Christians, by church a lot of people look at bad things in life and say, why would Jesus allow this to happen? And their view of who Christ is is so skewed and so messed up. Like, how did God let the bombings happen? How did 9-11 happen? How did He do all that? No, no, no. Don't believe that lie. Jesus came back to redeem Everything, every relationship. He loves. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus wants to rebuild and to love and to encourage. So where was Jesus during the most recent bombings? He was in the middle crying for the, for the evil that Satan was doing. Jesus loves. One of the reasons that we started Church Project is to kill the country club mentality. Church is not about us coming together and making each other feel good and getting a bigger building and getting mad when there's a marshmallow fight inside it. <laughs> Long story, sorry. It's not, about, it's not about that. One of the reasons we started Church Project was to kill traditionalism. Now, there's things in, in our heritage of being Christians that are absolutely beautiful. We're going to do communion in a little bit. And that, that's a tradition that goes back so long, but it's a beautiful tradition. And we're going to talk about that. But there's moments when we become so ingrained in what we think church is or whatever that it becomes about that and that alone. And we become so systematic. And we're just like this. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. We're little robots and we have no love and no meaning and God's not changing our heart and we become so numb to it. <laughs> I better get off of this because it would be really easy for me to just get really passionate here because I've been a part of churches where it's so rigid that they're not willing to change. They're not willing to listen to the Spirit of God when He's whispering to their hearts and in essence, this story that Jesus just told is, is, is this, you know? Are our churches so hard that we're not accepting the love of Jesus Christ? And how about this? Our hearts, are our hearts so hard that we're not accepting when God's trying to renew it and to do beautiful things here? See, Jesus is, is beautiful and He's love and He wants to redeem you and I. The moment we were born again... The moment we asked Jesus to come into our life was the moment that we became aliens and strangers to this world. We don't speak the same language anymore. Because we have a king who's chasing after us. And we're his children. And we are on a mission to, to love notorious sinners. Like Christ did and like Christ does. Please don't be a people that are full of judgmentalism. Is that a good word? You know what I'm saying because you've been judged. 
promise you. If you're alive, you've been judged. And if you're a Christian, you've been judged. If whatever you are, you've been judged at one point in your life. The worst thing that we can do is to come together on Sunday morning to rally together, to praise God, to hear some incredible truth, to learn, to do all this, and to walk out and begin to judge the world around us. No, the world needs more barbecues. The world needs more eye-to-eye contact. The world needs more people loving notorious sinners because here's, here's the fact. You and I are notorious sinners and without Jesus Christ, we're nothing. The only difference between notorious sinners and a Christian is that nothing except God's love. God loves us. Period. If you haven't read that sign when you walk in on the left, stop and read it. Take a picture of it if you need to because it is true. We will welcome anyone and everyone and introduce them into the love of Jesus Christ. And then we get to sit back and watch as God begins to restore them and to love them and to shape them and to get their marriage right and to do all these beautiful things. And guess what? We get to be on the sidelines laughing and enjoying it. I want to, um, that's it. I'm not going to go anymore today. I think that's pretty good. What, what we had right here was very, very simple today. Um, it was a little different, but, but the concept was so very, very simple that I wanted to hit on this, and I wanted to hit on it quite a bit because it's oftentimes we can go get so systematic and we can get so rigid and so structured that we begin to fall into the line of like these Pharisees and we begin to say, well, that person's not doing this, so they must be bad. Let's let Jesus redeem our hearts because He wants to. He takes joy in doing that. Um, I'm going to ask CJ, if you would, come on up here and, and Robbie. Um, <clears throat> This is perfect mood lighting time, man. Yeah, drop that down. Boom. <laughs> okay, that's fine. If you, if you would, go ahead and, and, and just close your Bibles. And, and, and um, this is really is, 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 is your time. Um, I want to talk about communion and, and, and what it is. And I'm going to give us the opportunity to, to take communion. The communion is over on your right. There's a, there's a table. There's bread over there. And the bread, the pieces of bread represent Jesus dying on the cross for us because we, we're notorious sinners. And when you're a notorious sinner, you're separated from the love of God because He's, he's perfect, He's holy, He's beautiful. And as a notorious sinners, we, we should pay for the wrong that we do. Well, Jesus, when he died on the cross, we just celebrated that with Easter. He said, here's my body. It's hanging on a cross, and it's broken. And Jesus was crucified on the cross for us, for our sins. And so the bread represents the body of Jesus on the cross, dying for us pain for our notorious sins. Then there's grape juice and you can take the piece of bread and, and just dip it into the grape juice. The grape juice represents his blood that was shed on that very cross. See, he loved us so, so much that he hung on the cross for us. He was crucified. And then three days later, 
He was risen from the dead as the, as the final sacrifice for our notorious sins. And oftentimes, we can take communion like robots. But may that not be today. May we take communion with fresh eyes. May we smile and say, Jesus, thank you for redeeming my heart, for loving me, for giving me hope, for giving me a future, for giving me purpose, for looking in my eyes, for seeing me at my tax collecting desk and saying, follow me. See, Jesus wants to redeem every part of your life. I'm going to ask us some questions and we'll go into a time of just worship right here. Maybe just close your eyes and think about this. Ask God to speak to your heart and to show you some cool truths today. He is pursuing you. Do you know His love? First question, do you know His love? Have you asked Him to take control of your life? If, if not, I say, what's stopping you? Why not? And I pray right now that, man, you just, you, you just want to call out His name and say, God, give, I give you control of my life. I, I'm a notorious sinner, God. I'm walking through life trying to do it on my own. And I, I pray right now that you just, in your own mind, just say, God, I give you control of my life. Do you know His love? Here's another question. Can you say his love endures forever? Can you say that? Can you mean that? We talked about Jesus coming back and redeeming every relationship, restoring it, making it beautiful, putting hope in every aspect of our life. And so the question is this, what relationships are you holding on to way too hard? I mean, your relationship to pride, are you proud? Why? Why are you holding on to that so hard? What about lust? trusting Him. Or can, can you say, I'm holding on to my life so tight because I just fully, I can't trust God. Ask Him to take that from you. You can trust Him. Here's, here's a good one. The tax collector was changed and he threw a feast. Are you willing to throw a feast? some traditionalistic things that God is asking you to change in maybe or to come alive in again some of us will walk away from today and say the music was too loud the speaker was too ugly whatever we have a list of things we'll say was it about any of this? No, it's about Jesus and who He is. Some of us need to stop being so judgmental. 
experience his love and his freedom. His beauty and his hope. I'm going to ask us to stand right now. And I'm going to invite everyone as Jesus is, is working in your heart. I'd love us to take communion. And there's going to be no form to it. It's just over on your right. This is a time when we get to really celebrate what God has done in our life. We get to smile saying, God, thank you for loving us. So I'm going to ask us as, as we begin this next song, we'll, we'll do a song and then I'll, I'll come up and pray for us. But as we're doing this next song, if you would, just when God prompts you or when you're ready, just go ahead and move to your right and, and we'll begin to take communion and, and praying and thanking God. And, and also we can begin to sing and, and praise God through this song. So let me pray for us as we get into this time. God, I pray that we can respond the way you want us to respond. I pray that you're moving in our heart right now to the point where we just know it's time to respond. I pray that this time will be very, very special. God, you would enjoy this time as we worship you. Thank you for what you have done in our life. It's your name we pray. We can go ahead and start going to the community.